Happy Tuesday, everyone. Hope you all had the loveliest of weekends. This week on the podcast, I have a content creator who you may know from her viral Hungry Lady Salads series on TikTok with over 2.2 million followers, Kathleen, also known as Cat Can Cook, Ashmore. Cat's newest and first cookbook, Big Bites, comes out this week and focuses on comforting recipes that are big on nourishment and fun. And by the way, her pre-order did so well that she literally just signed a deal for a second cookbook, which is absolutely telling of her amazing recipes. We really dug deep into emotional and intuitive eating, how to find balance in your life, and her time working for The Martha Stewart Show, where she revealed some funny anecdotes. I can almost guarantee you're going to want to make bread after this. Just trust me on that. We also recorded this previous to the new year, 2024. So she has released her book tour dates as well. So make sure to check that out. So please join me in welcoming Kat Ashmore. It's actually so, so great to meet you. I've been watching your videos for a while, so. Thank you. Oh, it's so fun to be here. Of course. Thank you for that. So something that clicked in my brain when I was prepping for this interview, I didn't realize that you were the mastermind behind the giant salads that would come up on my FYP because those would always come up and I was like, oh, I always saved them and I I forget to make them. I'm exposing myself a little bit, so I need to make them with your cookbook now, but. (laughs) that's okay that's okay I mean that's why I keep you know I will sometimes repost some of the most popular hungry lady salads because I started that series in 2022 okay January 2022 and you know of course my platform has grown a lot since then and not everyone sees your content anyway so I will I mean at this point I have almost 50 recipes just that I've shared on social media and on my website, but in my cookbook, Big Bites, I knew that I had to do, I mean, people would riot if I didn't have Hungry Lady Salads in there. So Mm -hmm. there's a Hungry Lady Salad chapter that has, it's our largest chapter actually, because it has, I think, 18 recipes. And I want to say 14 of them are new and four of them are like fan favorite recipes, which was hard to choose because people, people really love them. Well, the thing with salads is how versatile they are. Like they could just be, you could throw literally anything in. It'll probably taste good. Uh It's the dressing that you have to perfect. Yes. The The dressing is really important. And there are certain salads where the dressing matters more Mm -hmm. than others, um, depending upon what the ingredients are. Sometimes if there's a lot of flavor going on in the salad, like for instance, I have a celery chopped salad where, you know, you don't have any salad greens or your salad greens have gone bad or whatever it is. You don't feel like going to, to the store, but you've got mm-hmm. celery, you know, laying around in the fridge. Mm-hmm. You can make a salad with that. So that's the base of it. And then I have dates and goat cheese and, you know, some, it's some pretty robust flavors. So the dressing itself is quite simple um, to mm-hmm. really let those shine. But in a lot of my, yes, I mean, as far as salad dressings go, one of my big missions is to teach people how simple and how rewarding it is to make your own salad dressing at home. Oh, I know. I just got your cookbook last week. So I was working, oh, I'm my, so glad. working my way through it. I'm really excited. But the celery thing I relate to a lot, actually, because I always do have celery, but I 
find myself running out of lettuce all the time. Uh, A lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah. You can, I mean, I always say like, I can, I can make a salad out of pretty much anything. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of a fun challenge for me. And I think, you know, during certain months where you may not have access to the same types of greens and it's just not as abundant. And I try to make my recipes as accessible for everyone across the board as possible. So, I mean, pretty much anybody can get celery. (laughs) So I think that that's pretty safe. And then there's, there's, um, a cucumber salad that I have on my website as well that uses cucumber mm-hmm. as the base, like with a really nice, like spicy dressing. Um, and also in my cookbook as well, there are more than one salad. There are a few salads that don't have any salad greens at all. So encouraging people to rethink what they have on hand. Yeah. I, I like that you said that you're trying to make it accessible, your recipes for other people. That's something I didn't really feel like i thought about but then when I've I I eat mostly gluten-free unless I'm going to restaurants and stuff like that and sometimes those ingredients are just so tough to find especially if they're like pro bakers recipes or professional like cooked recipes yes I just bought this bread flour for this one recipe but you can only buy it like on Amazon or go to ShopRite yeah so that kind of thing is is tough It can be tough. And, you know, there are certain instances, I think when it comes to baking and gluten-free baking in particular, it is a whole different ballgame. So there are certain ingredients that are sort of non-negotiable ingredients that you absolutely have to have. There really aren't substitutes for it. Like I have a three-year gluten-free bread recipe in the cookbook because I myself, yeah. So I, I eat probably 90% gluten-free, I would say. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't have celiac. I just feel better when I'm not eating gluten Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. It sounds like it's the same kind of thing for you. Yeah, no, it's the same kind of thing. I'm way less full. I just feel a little, little better. I can eat a little bit more. Yeah. Yep. I don't feel as lethargic. You know, I don't get bloated. It's that kind of thing for me. So I kind of do like the 80 to 90% thing Mm -hmm. where most of what I eat is gluten free. And then I tend to, you know, when I eat gluten, it's because I'm really enjoying it. We have incredible pizza here, as you know, from Connecticut. I do. I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah. So I am certainly not, you know, I will eat pizza and I will enjoy every, every bit of it. Um, but mm-hmm. I just, I don't make it a, a staple of my daily diet. So I'm always up for the challenge of how can I make this gluten-free and still maintain the integrity of the recipe. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, I would say I'm probably 80, 90% as well, but being a food writer, it's like, I want to go to restaurants and enjoy things. So I have yeah. to be kind of gluten-free mostly at yeah, home sure. Um, so that I can kind of indulge a little bit when I go out. That's eat. right. Yeah. I think it's just making, it's just being mindful, right. And making the choices and saying, this is going to be the mainstay of my diet and the way that I eat. And then it gives me some wiggle room to be able to go out and not be, you know, second guessing everything you're ordering because that's no fun. Right. Exactly. Let's rewind a little bit. I like to get into your background and everything before we dive into what you're working on now. Sure. Before getting your present day brand, which is Cat Can Cook, you Mm -hmm. went to culinary school in New York. You obviously had a passion for cooking for a long time. When was the age that you said like, this is it, food is what I want to pursue? It wasn't until I was in my 
mid to late twenties. So I was working, yeah, I was working in marketing at a corporate real estate firm in Southern Florida. And funny enough, I mean, I think it was sort of the perfect storm where I ended up having this opportunity. I I had broken up with a guy, you know, that's usually when you find yourself at a crossroads, either when you leave a job or you break up with a guy. And I had found myself in this position where, again, I was a marketing manager for this real estate firm. And there were a couple of open houses. There was actually one open house at a $40 million property and the caterer had pulled out. And I had baked like little treats and I would bring food into the office sometimes and they were desperate. And so one of the brokers said, look, I know that this is completely crazy. Is there any way you think you could just make a few things for this open house? Like we have no food. And so I was like, yes, which is very much my personality. Like say yes, figure it out later. So I like drafted this little menu. I still remember it was like a harvest menu because it was in the fall. And so I drafted this little menu and I made some food and they, and everyone loved it and they were raving about the food. And so they asked, they kept asking me like, is this something you would want to do more regularly? So I started just making food for these open houses. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, this is actually the most confident I feel at my job and it's not even part of my job. Maybe this is something I should look at. (laughs) And so I started doing a little bit of research around culinary schools, but at the time my feeling was that if I go to culinary school, that means that I'm gonna work in a restaurant. You know, and I I don't wanna work in a restaurant. I knew myself enough from having waitressed and bartended a bit in my earlier years Mm -hmm. that that was, you know, it's just, there's a certain type of personality that gels with that kind of lifestyle. And I knew that mine was not (laughs) that personality. Um, So I was honest enough about that. I just didn't know that there were many options outside of working in a restaurant. So I did a little bit of research and I said, you know what, I'll go up to New York. I'll tour a couple of different schools. My mother and I went and I remember feeling like I wanted to be, if I was going to make a move like this, I wanted to be in the heart of where things were really happening. And I wanted to place myself in a position where I could easily make connections. I could learn from all different kinds of people within the field. So I decided to make the jump when I was touring the Institute of Culinary Education. One of the things that made me decide to go there was that they had an extern mm-hmm. program where after okay. after your schooling was done it was full-time training after your schooling was done you had the next part of your training was essentially on-site training so mm-hmm. i liked the idea that i could be in different fields really getting a feel for what that would be like so i went to culinary mm-hmm. school and that i was there i graduated in 2000 and 11. And then from there, I ended up getting a position for my externship on the Martha Stewart show, which was, you know, completely surreal for me at the time, because I had, you know, I had really idolized her when I was young in middle school. I mean, 
I would take cookbooks with us on vacation. And my younger brother would be like, what do you do? Like, there's no kitchen. You're not cooking. But I would just read them like novels. And her book, Entertaining, was one of the books I used to take. So it was really incredible. And I had some some of my chef instructors, they were very adamant about you need to go to a restaurant. You need to have that on-site training. Mm -hmm. You need to be, and kind of, you know, turned up their nose at people who made a decision to go elsewhere. But I just, I listened to my instincts and I said, this is, you know, this is the path for me. And then, you know, when I got the position, it just was very clear. And then that's really where this whole new trajectory started, which has not even been a linear one from there, right? I mean, as a creative, oftentimes our Never journeys is. are not, <laughs> are they're not linear, absolutely, no. yeah. No, so I have a, a few points on that. I feel like, did your marketing background help you in the networking sense and kind of push you to in culinary school a little bit? Do you think it helped? I think that, I think that my marketing background definitely helped. I think my innate ability, I, I think one of my strengths is my ability to connect with people, to learn, to empathize, and to do so in a pretty genuine way, to be really curious. I'm innately curious. And so that curiosity really has served me very, very well in my career. Um, But yes, I absolutely think that my marketing background, and then I I can look back and see every position I've really had in my life has allowed me to do what I'm doing now successfully. Sometimes it's it's the jobs that I was really not very good at. And I absolutely (laughs) hated that. I'm like, wow, that really, that really gave me a lot of ability to do X, Y, and Z now. It's just funny in hindsight, how you can kind of put it all together in the moment. You're like, what am I doing here? But now in hindsight, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in everything comes at the right time. Like everything comes for a reason. I, I feel like it opened a door for you when you were kind of ready to pursue it. Cause maybe if, when you were a little bit younger, you may not have taken that leap right. or you may not have been comfortable to, right. you know? Right. So I'm a firm believer in that. And the, um, the chef thing is interesting cause I've had a few people on this podcast who said something similar where when they went to culinary school and they didn't want to go into restaurants, but they wanted to do like, food styling or they wanted to do recipe books or they wanted to do content creation or editorial for food or whatever it was like they kind of got the the same reaction Mm -hmm. so I thought that was just an interesting connection yeah I would love to talk about your time with Martha Stewart though on the Martha Stewart show how did you go on to kind of work for her so you did it after culinary school, kind of all worked out. What was the process of yeah, that? Yeah, so I was interviewing, and they were interviewing me, various mm-hmm. media outlets within New York. So I went and okay. spent some time with Sever Magazine. I went to the Bon Appetit yes. offices. Bon Appetit was great. Actually, a friend of mine and someone who was in my culinary school class went on to work for them, Brad Leone. And it's, yeah, he, it's great. We 
stay in touch and we yeah. talk a lot. He's actually upstate in Connecticut now. So we'll probably get together to shoot, shoot some videos soon. They, they required that you had spent a good amount of time in a restaurant. So I didn't have that. So it, we, it did weed out a couple of options for me, but I kind of went around and I learned what I could. They interviewed me, learned what they could about me, got to the Martha mm-hmm. Stewart show and you know, it was very obvious for me, like that I would die to be here, you know, just the feeling of, of like being on set and getting the tour. And they spent a good amount of time with me, which made me feel really positive. But then I didn't hear from them for like a month. And I just would keep following up. I would be, I was very persistent and I am, I mm-hmm. always am telling people be persistent. Like you are not, you're not dating this person. This is business, right? Like, right. so don't feel like you're going to be a stalker, like go after it. I know, you know? I do that. <laughs> Truly. And it's like, I still, I have feedback that I have gotten from people sometimes when I've felt embarrassed, like, oh, I can't call myself that, or I can't, like real Mm -hmm. accolades that as women we have earned, but yet we feel embarrassed talking about, and it's like, you're not at a bar. This is, this is business. You know, you're not sitting there at a cocktail party bragging about yourself. This is business. And so I had to I think what I learned from that experience, because I was emailing, I was calling, and then I finally came to the conclusion and kind of accepted that this was not going to be it. And then it was almost like the universe was like, all right, she's chilled out. Like now she's ready. And then they called me back the next day and said, you know, you've got it. So it was definitely one of those things where you have to remember that this this might be the number one priority in your life, but for them, this is probably number 100 of their priorities. So you have to just be persistent. So I ended up getting a position there before my externship was over. They asked, they offered me a position as a PA, as an assistant on the food team. So there were four of us producers, five of us producers by the time that I had finished there. And Mm -hmm. All of us had gone to culinary school. That was a requirement for Martha that anyone that was a, on the yeah. food producing team had was formally trained. And we were, were responsible for all of the food segments on the show. Um, so whether it was chefs and celebrities coming on, people coming on promoting their cookbooks, um, we did some on-camera stuff as well, things like Thanksgiving hotlines and talking about different products and recipes. So everything from script writing to segment selecting and it just... Um, you did it all. All. And some <laughs> of it was you know live TV because we, we would tape two segments a day. Sorry. We would do two segments a day. The one in the morning was a live segment with the studio audience. And then the one in the afternoon was Mm -hmm. taped. So it was, you know, long days, a lot of work. You're on your feet the whole time. It certainly wasn't glamorous. And I loved, I loved every second of it. That's so fun. Yeah. The being persistent thing is is so true, especially for women, because you don't want to like make any social faux pas or you don't want to look like not it's not necessarily desperate but you just don't want to it's just embarrassing like it's almost like when you continually follow up it's like oh like it's really uncomfortable it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that's what I was looking for I think it is but it is for women much more than men 
And what I have learned for myself, and I was even talking to my husband about this because he's an entrepreneur as well, that I'm big on reframing things in my life. And Mm -hmm. I have these little reframes that a lot of my communities on social media sort of know me for. And one of the things Mm -hmm. for me is what energy am I following up with? Am I following up with an energy of desperation or am I following up with an energy of enthusiasm? And as long as I can come from a place of enthusiasm, it's because I'm enthusiastic about what I have to offer. Like I am so confident and so enthusiastic about what I have to offer and what we can do together. That changes a lot for me. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Change your mindset. Yeah. 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 I like that a lot because I often have to pitch because I'm a freelance writer. I'm pitching to editors all the time. So like, I don't want to bother them. But also on the other hand, when I get follow-ups, I'm like, oh, good thing they followed up because I missed something. Definitely. That happens to me all the Definitely. Time because I just forget. Of course. And you have so many more immediate priorities in your day. Sometimes we're drinking from from the Mm -hmm. fire hose. It's just, there's so much coming at you that something that hasn't even happened yet, even if it's a project that needs to happen, even if it's a, you know, a potential that you're really enthusiastic about, it's just not an immediate priority. So you need to keep making yourself a priority or else it's not going to be one. Make yourself a priority because no one else is going to do it for you. I just wrote that on my Instagram yesterday. It's true. (laughs) And, and, you know, also saying yes to yourself, like don't say no to yourself, let other people say no to you, but don't say no to yourself. You know, I think that that's really important too. Like what's the worst that can happen is that someone says no, or that they get a a little bit annoyed that you're, they might just email you back so that you'll stop emailing them. At least then, you know, and you've got a plan of action. (laughs) I've been there. I've been there. (laughs) Yeah. It's this, yeah. It's this fear. I think a lot of people have of either being rejected, but I think I've just realized how much you cannot take it personally. Because it just is, it is business. Everyone's trying to get by. Everyone's trying to do their own thing. Everyone's concerned about their own life. Like they're not concerned about, you know, sending you an email that has all of this emotion behind it. Sometimes they're just going to send you an email. That's like, you know, you didn't get it, but that's what they were able to do at the time. That's what they have the bandwidth for. That's right. Interesting how how it works now. It's evolved a lot. Do you have any fun stories or like awkward mishaps from producing cooking segments for the show? Because I feel like that's just such a given, especially in yes, cooking. Many. Um, yes. I mean, the the live segments were always the most stressful because there's not a lot of room mm-hmm. for error, right? Um, so there, yes. there was a time where I brought out the wrong cue cards. It, they were for a different episode and we realized maybe 10 seconds Uh before we were to start filming. So we absolutely scrambled, brought them all back up. There was another time where all of the producers were on camera. We were talking with Martha about our like kitchen picks for the holiday season. And for Mm -hmm. some reason, the prompter had, had gotten screwed up. And so she introduced me (laughs) as Jane, who was one of the other producers and and it oh, no. really sort of threw me off and I had to cut and we both looked at each other and the camera cut to me and then cut to Jane. And yeah, it was, 
it was kind of stressful. But I think that that, that really is what has allowed me in some ways to be much more comfortable with impromptu on the fly pieces of video, mm-hmm. even in my own social media or doing live television. Now I did QVC for a lot of last year and you know, I wasn't that nervous because once you've been on television, like with Martha Stewart, who you probably know, she says what's on her mind and there's not a lot oh, yeah. of a filter and you don't always know what's going to come out of her mouth. And sometimes it doesn't flow that comfortably. So, um, you know, yeah, it took a lot of, a lot of yes. pivoting and playing it cool. Yeah. She's such an interesting character to me. She really is. She's like, she built this entire empire. I know she, she catered in Connecticut mm-hmm. for a while and then kind of went up from there, but she's just like such an interesting person to me in the food world because she does speak her mind. She has these, she has a website, she has a show, she has like everything you can imagine. She has, I've seen her like yes. farm yeah. on yeah. television too. And like, is totally incredible. So she's interesting to me. She's um, an icon yeah. for a lot of women. Yeah. And sure. she's, I think she's a, she's a total example of someone that is constantly evolving and constantly mm. changing. And I think there can be a temptation when a social media platform changes or a new platform comes out or to kind of complain about it and say, you know, I liked the old Instagram or this is wrong, or I'm not, I refuse to do video. I'm a photo person, whatever it is, but you know, you can say what you want. I mean, people had their opinions about TikTok when I started on it in 2020, it was, I got, yeah. And I got a lot of, (laughs) even from my husband at first, he was like, you're always playing on that TikTok. I mean, He's certainly not laughing now. Mm. And people were kind of like, oh, yeah. isn't that the app where people dance? And I was kind of like, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that for me was, I believe that if everybody understands what you're doing, it's too late. So like, uh, like okay, you want, okay. I want mm-hmm. to take advantage. I want to see the path that isn't so forged. And I wasn't even one of the early adopters to TikTok, but I was certainly much earlier than a lot of my peers and people that were much further ahead in the space than me. Um, but I just saw a real opportunity here. That's, yeah, that's a really, really good point. TikTok is... I don't even think like a lot of people think it's oversaturated, but I don't think it is. I feel like there's still like so much room to grow with it and do really cool things with that app and video Mm -hmm. content. I feel like we're like on the cusp, but I'm always curious, like with food influencers and like the Martha Stewart's of the world, who's going to be like the next Martha Stewart. Is it going to be like an influencer? Is it going to be like a food set? Like, you know, I'm always, I'm curious to see who that is. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know that there will ever be someone quite like her, but as far as someone who can Mm -hmm. go on and galvanize people in that way, I think it's going to be an interesting challenge because the landscape has changed so much. And when Martha Stewart was coming up, everybody wanted things that were borderline unattainable, aspirational, sort of like take me into my imagination and let me get lost in the beautiful pages of this magazine. Chances are, I'm probably not going to do any of this. Nowadays, people want 
personality and they want relatability. And, you know, I think mm -hmm. that having that balance of aspirational and relatable is really important. And it's certainly something that I strive for. Yeah, it is. It is. And like you said, keeping, even keeping those mistakes that you make on camera in, I find is what yes. clicks with people the most. So sometimes I'll leave in mm -hmm. my stupid jokes or whatever I did or my mistakes cooking. Cause you're yes. going to make mistakes cooking. Yes. It's just like going to happen, especially when you're filming it and you're trying to do both at once. It's like, you're thinking of course, so you know, it. it's funny that you say that too, because I have, I film everything that I do on my iPhone and I probably about a year ago, I switched to my camera and I took some footage with my camera and those videos did not do well. And I think people really, yeah. at least for me, I think that there are certain accounts that people expect that from, that really professional content and imagery. For me, people want to feel like they're FaceTiming with me. And so that was a big lesson right. for me. Like if it's not broke, don't fix it. I don't need to be that person, you know, like figure out what people look to you for, what they enjoy about your content and stick with it. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. I know very few yeah. people who use uh, a camera now, unless it's like for like something crazy, like a documentary right, or right. a short film or whatever. Yeah. I agree with that. I think you should definitely stick to what you know and not even what you know, but what what's works. working. Yeah. I was reading through your cookbook and something that you wrote stood out to me in it. Um, you mentioned that you wanted to write a cookbook for years, but at the time you felt like you were jumping into a conversation that didn't necessarily need your input. Mm -hmm. What was the turning point for you? The turning point for me was when I launched the Hungry Lady Salad series. So mm -hmm. it was 2022, it was early January, and I casually referred to a salad as the hungry lady salad and it's to date my most popular salad it was the tuscan kale salad with chick chickpeas and a lemon tahini dressing i mean it's been done before in certain iterations but something about the language that i used the idea that this was a salad that could last all week long, that was going to fill you up and really satisfy you in January, just completely took off. And with that one video, I threw out my entire content plan for the month of January. I had recipes shot. I had my blog posts all uploaded and ready to go. And I said, okay, like, I guess we're going to do a Hungry Lady Salad series. Yeah. Because I think what people felt was that there really wasn't somewhere for them to go if they just wanted to eat better. There was somewhere for people to go if you were paleo, if you're keto, mm -hmm. if you're vegan. But what about all the people that just want to eat better? Just want to eat like more veggies and want it to be like stress-free, want food that is going to feel really abundant and big and flavorful. And I looked around and so much of, of the new year, new you conversation was around what you shouldn't be eating. And it's coming up it again. It is coming up again. <laughs> and I have a whole new set of Hungry Lady Salads I'm going to be relaunching. I've given Amazing. it, I've given her a little beauty rest over the last few months. Yeah. yeah so ahead <laughs> of my book, I think that 
you know, it'll be really fun to get that conversation going again, which still daily people ask me like, when is your next hungry lady salad going to be? Um, so it was very obvious for me that I wanted to come at this approach of wellness and new year, new you and feeling great from an abundant mindset rather than a subtractive mindset mm -hmm. and all the things that we can add to our plate, that we can add to our bowls rather than everything we needed to take away. Cause that's a much more fun conversation for me. It is. No, it really is because that's actually funny that you literally said those words. Cause in my notes, I literally have you use, I use the motto adding, not subtracting. Yes. So you're still satiating that's those right. cravings, but incorporating those healthier that's right. foods and you know, your videos kind of encapsulate that exact same yeah. thing, which is so funny that I really <laughs> wrote that. <laughs> but the salads, I think, I, I think we try to define ourselves with food, like so much, like we try to fit ourselves in a category, like you said, like gluten-free, so you're just gluten-free, dairy-free, so you're just dairy-free, paleo, so you're just, like, I, I think there's too much pressure to try to define it instead of enjoying food, but maybe in a healthier way if you're not necessarily there mm -hmm. yet. So I appreciate that you are kind of pushing that out there. And it obviously sticks with people who feel the same way. I think way. so. I think so. I mean, I, I get so many messages and comments that are incredibly heartwarming from women who have you know, people who have struggled with eating disorders, people that have kids that would never eat a vegetable and now they're eating, or husbands that would never eat a salad and now they're eating salads. And it just seems to have such mass appeal that gets me so excited because I don't want anyone to be left behind. You know, I want it to feel really accessible. I want it to feel exciting and like things that the entire family can be enjoying. Right, right. I think a good point of it, too, is that I, I think society as a whole, when we think about healthy food, we think it's less mm -hmm, food mm -hmm. normally, like if you're using the big word yeah. diet, like it's going to be less food. But I, I kind of like that you can smash that idea and say, hey, like foodies can actually eat hearty salads and flavorful soups oh, or yeah. whatever All it of is. It. All less, of it. Yeah. It, that's, that's really my take on it. And when you're eating, like I don't snack a lot because I'm not hungry to snack a lot because my meals are nutrient dense. So that's the idea. Like right. my, my whole goal here is so that people will feel more in control of their appetites and not like their, you know, their appetite is this puppet master. That's just kind of stringing them along. I want women to get back in control over their appetites and their bodies and be able to eat more mindfully and really enjoy what they're eating. And therefore, a lot of times, one of the results is that they feel like their clothes are fitting better or they're eating less overall, but that's never going to be the goal with any of my, my recipes. It's sort of just like a by accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm like, I really, really try hard never to step on the scale yeah. and just go how I feel. Yeah. Because it's just so is not reflective, not. especially if you're like, working out and you're gaining muscle or whatever you're doing. It's just so not reflective. I try to go based on how I'm, I'm feeling yeah. in the moment. Because food can be a control thing for a lot of people. I've struggled. With Absolutely. That. I think most of us have. I think most of us have. Mm -hmm. And I also am someone that believes for me, 
what you resist persists. And there have been periods in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to eat sugar. Then all I can think about Mm -hmm. is sugar. You know, it Mm -hmm. just owns you in this way. It's like, I'm not going to spend money. And then all you think about is like all the stuff that you're going to buy when you can spend money again. It's just giving that so much power. And I want, you know, I want other people to get freedom from that. It is, it is. And then I feel like too, this is for me personally, but then once I like indulge a little bit, it like, I indulge too much Mm -hmm. and it can be a, a total different issue that happens. So it's just like, moderation is key. I know that's like a cliche saying, but it's true. It is. And you have to, it is. And I think also being gentle with yourself too, and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, just because you went overboard yesterday, doesn't mean that that has to bleed into today. We're not beating ourselves up about it. Falling out of balance is part of living a balanced life. It is all good. You know, like the words that we say to ourselves around that stuff matter. I totally agree. I was reading, um, This is like the last deep question I'll ask Mm. you and then we'll get into the fun stuff. (laughs) No, this is great. Go as deep as you want. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. So I was just reading through the introduction and I related to something that we touched upon just now a little bit, but you were basically saying that food had some sort of hold over you and you said that food can feel like a hug and sometimes feel like shackles, Mm -hmm. which I thought was so excellently put because I feel like I haven't been able to put into words how I've felt about mm-hmm. it and that kind of summed it up perfectly for me um because I've always had the separate issue where you can use it as stress release and an emotional crutch versus using it for the right things and comfort yeah. versus like you know feeding my emotions not really in the most healthy yeah. way do you feel like cat can cook has altered your relationship with food in a positive manner? I do. Very much so. I found myself when I started my business in 2020, July of 2020, Mm -hmm. um, I was coming off a very difficult stretch, few year stretch of having my babies. I had, you know, some postpartum mental stuff and depression that I had and anxiety that I had gone through. And I was not, I was not feeling great. I didn't feel like I had a lot to give to myself or to anyone, but I acted, I kind of faked it and I just acted my way into it. And I think I certainly was using, whether it's food or alcohol as a crutch, for sure. I mean, to just kind of zone out, there's something numbing about it. There's something that is fulfilling about it. And being able to start connecting again with other people, I get a huge amount of joy from helping people. Like that is my way to happiness is to be useful to others. And so starting my page was really an opportunity for me to start helping people, to start connecting, to be hearing feedback, hearing other women and other mothers specifically, their struggles and their paths. And I was able, I mean, I love food. I always have, of course, it's a huge part of my career. Yeah. It's a huge part of my (laughs) career now. And so being able to still have food be such a big part of my life, but in this way that felt really creative and really helpful, it was a huge turning point for me. 
Yeah, yeah. It's almost therapeutic for you while it's therapeutic for others. Very much so. Yes. And once you find that balance, it's like you're kind of aiding yourself in the most helpful mm-hmm. way. So that's that's wonderful that you were able to put your energy into that and then create that balance for yourself. Cause it's hard to take steps like that to change. It is. It is hard to take steps like that. And it's, it really happens one small step at a time, right? It's like, once you get going, the momentum starts to pick up. The hardest thing is just starting. And when it comes to even losing some weight, because I did lose some weight, you know, after Mm -hmm. having my kids and really once my business started. I'm a big believer in what you do outside of the kitchen affects what you do inside the kitchen. So I started moving my body and I started, I started meditation. I signed up for, to learn transcendental meditation in in the holiday season of 2022. And I've been doing it daily ever since. Um, but I am, I have all of these self-respect tools that I use on a daily basis that I talk about on my social media. And I mean, I compliment a stranger a day. I end all of my showers. I do yeah. It's, it's wonderful. I mean, I end all of my showers with a 60 second ice cold blast of water. Um, I do these things on a daily basis that really make okay. me feel good and that build build mental strength. And then that trickles into the decisions I make around food. It doesn't have to start mm-hmm. with the food. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I've been actually wanting to try. I feel like I didn't give meditation a fair shot, to be honest. I feel like I need to Listen, try and there are so many different types of meditation. And I have meditated mm-hmm. on, on and off for decades. Um, this is the first one where I have been... So, I mean, it's like brushing my teeth now doing that 20 minutes in the morning is like brushing my teeth. But here's the thing with meditation. People don't do it because they feel like they're not good at it. No one's good at it. It goes against every single thing in us as a human being to, to try and like <laughs> stop our thoughts. That's not what meditation is about. It's about mm-hmm. sort of swimming underwater underneath our thoughts. And it has been excellent <laughs> for my mental health and my state of mind and my anxiety and just it's yeah it's changed my life for sure oh no I gotta try I think my my problem that I have is like sometimes I can lack a little bit of the Mm self-discipline to do these things so I'm like oh like I'm tired I just like want to sleep a little longer Mm -hmm. and then it won't won't what if you put it in your calendar like what if you made it an appointment in your calendar I do that with everything in my life goes in my calendar, a 15 minute block in my calendar. Okay. Wait, that's actually, okay. As a Virgo, I am a super, super organized person in my calendar of my life. So, you know what? I can't believe I haven't thought of that before. No, it's a a tip (laughs) that I share all the, all the time, because if it doesn't go in my calendar, it doesn't get done. It just doesn't. Yeah, no, that's, I'm such a visual person too. So I need to have a to-do list or something where I could physically cross it off. Then I feel a little bit more accomplished, even if it's a small task, like fixing, I don't know, a table Me or too. something. Like it's just something stupid. I have to, I have to write it down or I'll forget. Right. And it won't get I'm done. the same way. <laughs> Whenever somebody is like, take a mental note. I'm like, no, I will not do that. Yeah, I, I, I refuse. <laughs> this is precious real estate. Like I don't want to be clogging it up with all of these little menial tasks. Now I get it all in my calendar. 
Yeah, yeah. Even when I'm talking to people like on this podcast, I have this point that I want to make in my head and then I go to a next point and then I, I know, totally forgot. I know, what I, I know. <laughs> but I mean, it happens to me too. <laughs> it usually resurfaces, but yeah. Maybe I should start writing down yeah. during the podcast. Yeah, taking not. notes. <laughs> I've done it. What's the recipe you most look forward to sharing? I know you mentioned your yeah. salads, but are there any others? I feel like, so there are, that's such a hard question. Um, I have a mm-hmm. feeling that there are certain recipes that after doing this for a while, I'm pretty sure that these are going to be like big hit recipes, right? So yeah, I mean, the hungry lady salads are all amazing. I mean, the, so there's a Caesar salad with fennel, crispy, fennel and crispy chicks. I saw that. Yeah. It's like a no brainer. (laughs) Like everyone's going to love that salad. It's unbelievably delicious. Mm -hmm. People love Caesar salad. Even people that don't like salad like Caesar salad for some reason. So that is like a obvious one. As far, there are some unbelievable baked goods recipes in here as well. And there is a gluten-free vanilla layer cake that is the cake that I Mm -hmm. actually make for myself on my birthday every year because it's, it's, um, I make my own birthday cake. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, I you make, make your own, own I've birthday heard cake That's not because new. it's what I want. It has like, it has strawberry jam and yeah. strawberry buttercream and it's so delicious. But the three-year gluten-free bread, it's the most complicated recipe in the book. It's not complicated, especially for bread recipes, but baking bread is just more complicated than making meatballs. Right. So that is yeah. one that I'm really excited about because it changes the game as far as bread goes. I mean, nobody ever oh, knows okay. that it's gluten-free when I serve it to them. I love that when I serve people something and they have, I'm like, it's gluten-free. It's like a little ad. Yeah. It's like when girls have pockets in their, in their <laughs> totally. or something. Yeah. Like, I'm so excited. <laughs> it's a selling point. It's a selling point. It's like a, this yeah. little secret that you have that no one else knows about. Yeah. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like so weirdly exciting. Yeah. Um, I had a bread phase a while back. It was probably during, I want to say it was during COVID, but I don't even know if it was at that time. I would just make so much bread in a bread machine. And my family was like, we love this, but like, you're going to make us like, you have to stop. You <laughs> so, have to stop. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't really done it since, but now I'm going to get the ball rolling again. I want to make yours. You definitely should. I would love to hear what you think. And there are some really great, there's some really great comforting dinner recipes that I'm really excited about. Some of them are are vegetarian and really hearty. Like there's this baked, it's a saffron rice bake with like chickpeas and tons of garlic and herbs and it's just so so flavorful and so delicious god there's so i mean there's so many great ones yeah oh i'm excited though i really sometimes you just need new dinner recipes because i'm just like making the same things everybody has to eat dinner everybody has to eat dinner and that's a pain point for a lot of people Mm-hmm. You know, it's coming it up is. with something that's new and creative, but it's, you know, it's something that feels familiar enough that it's not going to feel intimidating. What's your go-to salad dressing? Like if you had like short on, if you were short on time and you just needed to make a really quick one, what's your go-to? So my go-to most versatile 
salad dressing is going to be a standard vinaigrette. So it has Dijon mustard as the emulsifier. I use mustard in a lot of my dressings, not only because it's like the secret weapon flavor bomb, but yeah, but it emulsifies the oil and the vinegar. So if you ever get, if you ever get like a vinaigrette from, I don't know, a pizza place or something take out and you'll see that the dressing is like vinegar and oil. It's completely separate. It's because it doesn't have an emulsifier. So that's something that the basic formula is acid and oil. I like to do three parts to one part. Some people like to do four parts to one part. I like an acidic vinaigrette. So three parts to one part, and then you've got a little bit of mustard to emulsify it. And then from there, it's all gravy. You could add a little honey or maple syrup for sweetness, fresh herbs if you have garlic, shallot, whatever you want. But that is something that is just super versatile. I always have a jar of that. I need I need to start get doing that. I feel like sometimes I have like a salad phase and then I get out of it and then I go back into totally, it. Totally, so. which is great. Yeah, January is it for me. Yeah, I know. I think we all need that too in the winter time where, you know, fresh vegetables isn't necessarily the thing on everybody's mind when people are cold, but... I think it's a great time to have something that feels really bright and really crunchy mm-hmm. and lively and uplifting. Sweet potatoes. I'm so into sweet potatoes. Me right too. Now. Do you ever stuff them? No. Yeah. Actually. Because you can do, that's like one of my girl dinners that I will do if I'm home alone mm-hmm. and I don't have to cook for anybody else. I will just take yeah. a sweet potato. I will roast it in the oven whole once it's tender, I just like split it open and then I'll just fill it with whatever I want to. I mean, you could do like some ground turkey with some, you know, harissa and some garlic and some veggies, or you can do like, you can go in a different slant with like, you know, some roasted chickpeas or beans, some avocado, some yogurt. There's lots you can do, but it makes like a full meal. Yeah. It's great. Why have I literally never done that? Like I always just in my head, I'm like, I have to cut this sweet potato up and then I'll put it in like the oven or I've been really into sweet potato fries. Oh yeah. Sweet potato fries are phenomenal. Yeah. There's a recipe for sweet potato cupcakes in the book as well that are delicious. Oh, I missed that one too. Yeah. Sweet potato cupcakes with a salted maple buttercream. They're delish. That sounds so good. They're really good. That's getting flagged. They're very good. I have a lot. I'm honored. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about what's next for you. Do you have any upcoming projects you would like to share or anything else going on? Yeah, so the book comes out, Big Bites comes out January 24th. It will be in people's hands, which makes me so excited because the pre-orders have been so strong, which has been so affirming for me. Um, And I know people are really anxious to get it in their hands. I can't wait to see it in everyone's hands. And I'll be doing, you know, I'll be doing some fun, some fun media similar to this around the book. And then Yay. my book tour will start at the end of January. So yeah, yeah. We're, I'm, we're, we're still firming up exact dates, but I know, you know, I'm going to be announcing that on my social media very soon because I'll be in Connecticut, New York. I'll be doing Dallas, Houston, mm-hmm. LA, Chicago, Toronto. Oh, yay. Yeah. Let me know when you, the LA dates. I'll have to I will. I absolutely will. I'll come get my book Definitely. signed and then I'll let you know how the it. bread turned out. 
Oh, I can't wait. And just be patient with yourself when it comes to baking bread. And you know this because you've baked bread. I always tell people, approach it from a place of curiosity because my bread never looks exactly the same. It depends on, so right? It depends on the temperature in your kitchen, the temperature in your counters, the temperature in your oven. It is not a controlled environment mm -hmm. like it is at a bakery. So just, it depends on the time of year, the humidity in the air, just be curious. Don't be judgmental. And don't be like, oh, I can't bake bread if it doesn't rise the way you want. You know, that's really important yeah. in general. Be curious. That's going to be the the motto of this, this podcast episode. I like it. I love it. I approve. All right. I have a short game for you if you're up for it to kind of wrap up the yeah. podcast. So it's like a little lightning round. I'm going to name... A popular food or food trend and you're gonna say if you're for or against kind of deal yeah all right cool so first one adding feta to fried eggs yes okay second for it holiday cocktails this is general for it i think it's the time of year okay agreed three so i've i've seen this a lot lately where it's not just burrata but like it's seasoned burrata, so they're putting like pesto on it. You're putting like garlic and just like extra stuff on it. But some people are like iffy about it. I'm against. If it's good burrata, mm -hmm. if it's good burrata, I want to taste the burrata. So salt, maybe pepper, but like some olive oil, not much more than that. I don't even really want, I mean, I'll do a little bit of vinegar, but. Yeah, that's it. That's fair. Cheese is going to be good yeah. no matter what you do to it. So. That's right. Um, four, putting ice in wine. This is a long time debate. Again, yeah, against. I'm against it too, but I have to be honest, I've been guilty of doing it because I didn't chill the wine first. <laughs> yeah, of course. Everyone, everyone experiences that. Yeah, which yeah. is a crime to my Italian heritage. <laughs> <laughs> um five this is just a general food but brussels sprouts four i love them yes i think people that don't like them don't know how to make them the right way i i totally agree with that i've discovered that i've loved them recently and i feel like it confirmed me being an adult <laughs> yes yes it's a rite of passage i totally agree all right my last question for you which i ask like every guest on here if there is one cooking appliance or utensil that you think everyone should splurge on, what would it be and why? A good knife. Yeah. And a knife sharpener. Some kind of knife sharpener. Just a good knife. There's no re replacement for it. No one is going to enjoy cooking if you have a bad knife or a dull knife because mm -hmm. it's not going to cut through anything. It's going to be frustrating. You're going to cut yourself. Give yourself a fighting chance mm -hmm. and get a quality knife and keep it sharp. That is... Yep. I learned that this year. Yeah, <laughs> so many people yeah. told me for it's because I literally interview chefs. I'm like, so many people told me this for years and I just didn't, I don't know. Sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> I get that. I do need a knife sharpener though. So that's, that's next on my list. Yeah. Christmas. That's important. Maybe before. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> or go get them sharpened, you know, whichever one, but you need to sharpen it. Can I go get them sharpened somewhere? Yes. Yes. Where? If you, yeah, I mean, oftentimes there will be farmers markets. There are specific places what? that you can go to get get your knife sharpened. Google it, and I guarantee you'll find a few places come up. I had yeah. no idea that was a thing. 
do yeah. all chefs know about that? Is that like a secret intel? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why you have these podcasts. You can get all these little tidbits. I had no idea. That is a game changer. Okay. Interesting. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. Really fun. I'm excited. Uh, I was told I was your first interview for your cookbook. Yes. So yes. woohoo! that's very exciting. Yes. You can keep up with Kat's latest recipes on Instagram at Kat can cook or order her newest cookbook, Big Bites, wholesome, comforting recipes that are big on flavor, nourishment, and fun on Amazon now. Yeah, it's available, it's available everywhere books are sold and it's on pre-order now. So 24th, yeah. Yay, that's so exciting. Ready? Congratulations. And thank you so I'm much. See it take off. I have a feeling it will. Me too. It definitely will. Hey, fellow foodies. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to leave me a review. While you're at it, make sure to follow me at Livin' for Food Pod on Instagram or TikTok or email me at livinforfoodpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you're cooking up this week, which guests you would like to see on the podcast, or tell me your opinions on the latest viral food trend. And in case you're just joining me, there is an entirety of season one ready and waiting for you. Until next time. <laughs>